Welcome to Compassionately You. Here, we host conversations in vulnerability and hopes to help and motivate others. My name is Brie Luganville and I'm your host. I love to have different guests on to talk about a personal journey that they went through. Sometimes it focuses on internal growth. Sometimes it does focus on body image as well and how that affects our overall being as a person. Thank you so much for being here today. Happy Monday, everyone. This is Compassionately You with Brie Luganville. Today I'm here with Joey Williamson. He's a near and dear friend to my heart. Um, Literally. Uh, I'll tell you why later. Um, But he is the owner and operator of Hollywood's World of Sports. And he also has a congenital heart defect. I do as well, which is why I said near and dear to my heart. Loving the puns here today. But Joey, tell me a little bit about your business. I started Hollywood's World of Sports uh, almost right out of high school. I started forming the idea my senior year. I had a column in my high school newspaper, which people loved. Um, And just like over the summer, I'm like, you know, I loved writing about video games and stuff like that, but I'm more of a sports and pro wrestling guy. And so in October, I came up with my first post or whatever, and then kind of just sat on it for like eight to nine months, just still forming an idea because I was in college too. And I was working 40 hours a week and going to school. So I really didn't have much time to actually put thought into it, but the idea was always there. And, you know, the reason, the whole reason I started Hollywood's World of Sports is because I just had a huge passion for sports and pro wrestling, but I was never able to physically get involved with either of those things. And I feel like, you know what, I'm a writer. I've gotten compliments about my writing. People enjoy my stuff, so why not? put that passion to use in another form and away I went and I've been this month it'll be 15 year anniversary then yes yes I'm excited you know and people people ask me why I've continued to you know work on this or run this for as long as I have because you know I don't I don't make any money off of it never made a dime off of it but mm-hmm. it, it's about passion and you know, when people, when I want people to think of me, I don't want people to think of me of, you know, what my part-time jobs have been or previous jobs have been. I want people to say, well, Joey Williamson, he runs Hollywood's World of Sports, and you can tell by his writing he has a passion for the topics he talks about. And it's another way for me to reach people, you know, that have had health problems and birth defects and show them, okay, maybe you couldn't you know, fulfill your exact dream, but you can still, you know, participate in a different way. Mm -hmm. So tell me kind of the evolution of it. So um, it's been 15 years. So what, what was it at the beginning? What is it now? I heard at the beginning, we were talking about how you have t-shirts now and baseball caps. Yep. So Uh, the evolution, like I, I, 
I was a huge pro wrestling fan growing up. Mm-hmm. Like that was just my thing. That's how the whole Hollywood name came about. Is because I was a Hulk Hogan fan growing up, and when he became a bad guy, he was Hollywood Hogan, and <laughs> I uh, started dressing in black and white like he did all the time. And somebody just started calling me Hollywood one day, and the rest is history. But at the time, I was mainly focused on pro wrestling because it just oh, I just mm-hmm. loved pro wrestling, and my best friend from high school had just started wrestling on the independent scene and local scene. So a lot of what I was writing about was kind of his journey too and what he was doing. But then in roughly about 2006, I'm like, you know, I just, I need to expand this out a little bit. You know, not everybody loves pro wrestling, but there are people that love both pro wrestling and sports. And so I started writing, incorporating more sports things and you know really took off from there but i would have to say like around 2009 2010 the vision really started coming together i met one of my best friends at the time uh jason wise um who's a graphic designer and web guy and media guy just just so many wonderful things with websites graphics video editing and you know he saw something in me you know, with my story and with my passion. And he basically gave Hollywood's World of Sports, like, its vision and its look and its identity. And, uh, you know, once social media started booming, you know, I created a Facebook page, Twitter. Uh, I have my own YouTube page, even though I haven't used it in a long time. Because <laughs> Facebook Live seems to be the thing these days. Yeah. But just around 2010 is really when I started getting serious about it and was like, you know, I can, I can make something out of this. So. Yeah. And like you said at the beginning too, was able to connect with people who might've gone to, Oh, through a similar situation as to yourself with having, whether a congenital heart defect or some kind of crazy medical, <laughs> medical journey. Yeah. yeah. My, <laughs> my, my medical journey has been like insane. <laughs> if that's the words I want to use. Um, you know, they knew about all my birth defects uh, before I was born. Um, my mom's doctor told her to have an abortion multiple times. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And my mom, finally, after the fifth or sixth time, was like, no, you keep bugging me about it. I'm going to find a new doctor. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the, the first five years of my life were pretty rough. Um, multiple surgeries. Um had cast on my legs um, because of my club feet, and but once once I got past about five years old, mm-hmm. like you could really see that I was going to be a happy, active, you know, fun-loving child, and um, you know I've I've been through my fair share of health issues, but I don't let it get me down and don't let it really, you know, hold me back from what I want to do. So. Thank you for sharing that. That leads me into um, what you wanted to share. One really specific defining moment of your life was in sixth grade. Yes. So um, tell me and tell us. Well, a precursor before the actual story. Um, when most people most people know me, they think my whole life before uh, moving to Kentwood was living in Wayland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually lived in Grand Rapids for the first 11 years of my life. Oh, okay. Um, went to a private school, 
had a lot of friends in that school. Um, my mom got remarried in January of 96, and we ended up moving to Leon, uh, more specifically Gun Lake. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was right in the middle of my fourth grade year. Uh, when I got to Leon, um, that last half of fourth grade was not good. Uh, fifth grade was actually worse um, because I got picked on about how skinny I was. And, um, just, it was not good. And I actually had begged my mom to let me move back to Grand Rapids with one of her sisters. And she just said, you know, give it a year or two more. And um, if you're still not liking it, I'll let you go back. Um, sixth grade, um, I was thinking more of the same stuff was going to happen. And one day, I, uh, we had to go to the pool um, at, our, at the high school for swimming as part of gym class. And I have two scars. One uh, is from my open heart surgeries, and the other one is from uh, my liver surgeries when I was a baby. I was born with an umphalo seal. Um, which, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is when your liver and intestines are out at birth. Okay. So I have a pretty hideous scar there. They all have a belly button, and it's a really weird-looking scar. I don't know how I even came up with what they did to me. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to take my shirt off. Yeah. I was going to get in the pool with my shirt on. Because I'm like, you know, I don't avoid any issues. But the guy who ran the pool gave me a hard time. Mm. He was like, you need to take your shirt off. If you're going to get in the pool. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just kind of like unsure. He's like, well, if you don't get in the pool, we're going to have to fail you. Oh my For goodness. this part of the gym class. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to really fail an easy course like gym class. Took off my shirt. And I had so many stares. It was ridiculous. Aww. Like just like people didn't even really want to talk to me for like most of the rest of the day. And so I just, I felt so bad about myself and so bad about the situation. I fake sick. Yeah. From school. Yeah. For almost a week. Oh. And then my mom finally caught on and they're like, you ain't sick. And so um, I believe my uh, pediatrician and my cardiologist both got called. And I don't know which one, but one of them called the school. And talked to my sixth grade teacher, um, which, which was awesome because my sixth grade teacher was an awesome, awesome guy. Um, he was basically my hero growing up. Yeah. Like my real life hero. What is his name, if uh, it's okay to say? Pat Coughlin. Okay. Um, unfortunately, he's not here with us anymore. Um, he had passed away in 2010 okay. from a heart attack. So only 39 years old. Wow. Um, it's actually on Christmas Day. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, but Pat really changed my life. Um, I think after that conversation with the principal and, you know, whichever doctor called, I think he got a real grasp. Like, you know, this kid needs some love and attention and somebody to really get to know who he is. Because mm -hmm. I was still very quiet and very shy. Um but Pat, he just did wonders with me. Like, he, he showed everybody, you know, in you know, my class that, hey, this kid's a good kid. And uh, one of the first things that he did was actually make me a water boy 
for the freshman football team. He was the fre- he was the freshman coach for uh, Wayland's uh, football team and the love of sports. Yes, the love of sports. <laughs> and he, yeah, exactly. He kind of he kind of put that in me, and mm-hmm. um, he just brought out this personality, this character in me that had never been there before. This really like I don't know. I gained a lot of confidence from him. Um, one of the f- greatest stories of my life actually happened on Christmas break. I think it was 97. Um, I was bowling at Mid Villa in Middleville, which is no longer around anymore. And that was the only sport I could do growing up was bowling. And like every week I kept begging Pat to come away. Pat, you got to come. Got to come watch me. And granted, I was only bowling like my average was like 89 at the time. Yeah. Because I was just starting out. It was absolutely terrible. And one day I'm bowling, and I, I'm sitting down at the approach or whatever. My mom was like, hey, Joe, look who's here. And I look up, and it's Pat. And Pat showed up. And I'm like, oh, boy. Now I really got to turn, turn my game on. <laughs> and I don't know what happened. I don't know what got into me, but, like, with an 89 average, I bowled, like, a 177, mm-hmm. which was my highest at the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm only... Granted, I'm only 12 years old and just starting out, but, like, just bowling that well because he was there, that that, that was huge. Mm-hmm. And I still have that plaque that I got. Um, I mean, I've had other great accomplishments. I think my highest score in a league was, like, 242. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And that didn't even mean that much to me. Like, it was cool that I even shot that high. Mm-hmm. But, like... Like, all the plaques and all the trophies I have, they're all in storage, except that one. Because I associate that with him. Yes, and he was so meaningful yeah, in and, your life. And I, I think I think the seeds were planted for me to be in his class, like, before it happened. Because a year before I got to him, uh, he started going to the same church as I did. Mm-hmm. So I knew who he was. Yeah. Like, I didn't know him know him. But I knew who he was, and, like, I don't know if it was the grace of God or the principal, because I know a lot of some schools, the principals figure out who was going to be in whose classes. Yep. So I'm not sure if word got to him that maybe, hey, this kid needs somebody good in his life. And thank the Lord it happened, because who knows what path I would have went down had I not had him, and. The great thing about it, because we went to the same church, um, I still had a relationship with him mm-hmm. after sixth grade ended. And, I mean, we talked almost once a week, every week up until he passed. Yeah. Like, and even in high school, um, the guidance counselor at the high school when I was in high school was one of his best friends. And whenever I would get out of control or act up or do something stupid if my guidance counselor couldn't get to me he would actually call <laughs> to pine street elementary and get pat on the phone it's like pat i can't deal with this you gotta talk to him <laughs> and there's a couple of times it happened yeah. and so he was just a huge presence in my life and um just the fact that he saw beyond the scars is how i want to put it is um really changed for me and i became as my mom said one of the most well-liked people in the district mm-hmm. so wonderful yeah 
Um, wow, going off of that, if someone were to go through uh, similar events, whether it's probably like different medical issues, but medical issues that you had to face, um, as well as just people not understanding when they're that young, like elementary school, yeah, kids don't. don't get it. Yeah. They try, and parents try to have people understand, and it's better than it was now than back then, but it's still like hard. Because yeah. <laughs> kids are kids, and they don't yes. know. Yes. Um, what would you give people advice about? Like, What would you say um, to help someone who might be going through a similar struggle? Um, you know, it's funny you asked that, because I think it was a year or two ago, um, one of my mended little heart buddies, mm-hmm. um, he's actually from Wayland also. Oh, good. And he had got picked on by some kids. Oh. And his mom told me, and I'm like, let me, let me, let me sit down and talk to him. Mm-hmm. And I just said, hey, you know what? Um, if you're getting picked on, if you're uh, dealing with stuff that I dealt with, don't, don't bottle up. Don't wait to tell somebody. You know, tell your mom. Uh, if you feel like you can't tell your mom, tell somebody at school what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, try to explain to them as best as possible what, what you've been through. Because mm-hmm. um, I actually I had to do that a couple times. You know, where I had to go, you know, I'd talk to a couple of teachers. Like, hey, this is what I've been through and this is why I feel like I have to stand up for myself. Because yeah. there were there were a couple times that, I mean, I'm not I'm not afraid to say it now. I got into a couple of fist fights in high school because mm-hmm. people even then still like, well, you know, he's skinny and he's got a heart condition. There's no way he can defend himself. Yeah. And like I would not condone getting into a fist fight. <laughs> I would not go that route uh, because that just creates a lot of headaches. But I mean, th- there are ways to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, what's happening at school. You know, tell a teacher. Go to the administration. Tell them what's going on. Yeah. Um, happening outside of school, you know, obviously, tell your parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's... I wish I would have told mine a lot sooner than what I did because I felt like some of it could have been nipped in the butt quicker than what it was. Yeah. And having that person in your life, your sixth grade teacher, that continued to be a support, yeah. you could always go to him. Oh, yeah. So, like, telling... Find that person who's a support who you trust and who can be a support for that. And you know won't judge you. They'll just be there and listen and try to help guide. I think that's good. Um, I wanted to relate quickly just because of uh, the congenital heart defects. Mine wasn't found until I was um, 17. I was a senior in high school. And I remember um, I was passing out. I was in marching band, and I was, like, passing out or feigning. Or I tried to do track, and I also have hypoglycemia, so... When I was doing track, but I would feel like really weird, oh. I just think I needed a granola bar. And I remember my track coach being like, you just had a granola bar. You don't need another one. <laughs> and I'm like, but I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, yeah. I'm just not doing well. Um, but when I had to have a heart monitor on for like 30 days just to see what was going on, I remember this one friend of mine. And I'm sure I, he would scare me to make my heart monitor go crazy. And at the time, back then, I had to, every time I had an incident, I had to go to the office and transmit the data like a dial-up phone via phone. So every single time, and I would sit there, and there wasn't a private area, so I would sit in the office, 
literally holding the device up to the phone because that's what it was back then and you would hear the crazy dial-up noise oh, wow. people would come in and out they'd be like what in the world is this girl <laughs> and i would be so embarrassed so like ashamed because like that was just there was no private area um and also just wanted to like punch my friend in the arm like stop making it go off like you think it's hilarious right now but it's not okay <laughs> is, that, is that the longest you ever had to wear a heart monitor? It was a month. It was just a month, yeah. Oh my! How was you ever crazy? You one? know, it's funny you say that because um, I used to bicker about two days. Oh yeah. Like I mean, like like every year, and this is a funny story. You've had to wear it more though than me because you've gone through yeah like multiple surgeries. So here's the thing, and you you'll get a kick out of this. I'm sure anybody else listening will still get a kick out of this. Mm-hmm. So every year when I go to the cardiologist, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like white coat syndrome or what the deal is. But that is the that is the one office that my blood pressure just skyrockets. Yeah. Because I get so freaking nervous In there. about everything. Every other doctor I have no problem with. And it's just really weird. And so, like, my blood pressure would be bad. Or, You're just nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. Yeah. So, so every year, you know, blood pressure's up, ultrasound looks good, EKG's a little wacky because of the blood pressure. And so every year, Dr. Lucina, who's retired now, who just retired this year, he's like, we need to get a heart monitor on you. I'm like, Doc, I'm fine. Like, just leave it alone. <laughs> and so, like, like, so for, like, every other year for the last five years, I've gotten a heart monitor because he's freaking out about my blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Doc, the smart thing would be to do is take my blood pressure after you're done seeing me and giving me the good news. <laughs> and so finally, I put my foot down this time. And I'm like, just listen before I leave. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. Just listen before I leave. And so finally, he listened. He actually, like, actually did it my way. He's like, oh, your blood pressure's fine. <laughs> I'm like, well, I've been trying to tell you that for the last five years. So, like, I remember, what was it? Um, a week after my open heart surgery in 2014, mm-hmm. um, he put a heart monitor on me just to make sure everything was all right. Yeah. And I'm riding around with my fiance and my mom. And I get out of my mom's vehicle, and I don't know if I got snagged on something or what. Yeah. But the heart monitor broke. Oh, no. <laughs> I, then I was like, eh, oh, I, what's going on with Joey? I, and I told, I told, I looked at Holly, and I'm like, that is a sign. I don't need to be wearing one. <laughs> and I'm like, leave it alone. I'm fine. I don't want to be hooked up to these machines. Uh, yeah. And it's funny, because, it's funny because for so long, I used to bicker about being hooked up to machines. But then it's a machine that ultimately has basically saved my life. Yes. With having sleep apnea. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so recently, when was that? Uh, I think it was two years ago now. Okay. I got diagnosed, and I knew I knew I had it long before I ever got diagnosed. I was in denial. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get we're talking about this because I feel like when people deal with health stuff, they're in denial. Yeah. At first. Um, my my mindset was like, oh great, another issue I got to deal with. Yeah. And but Holly's like, you need to deal. You need to deal with it. Also, Holly is his fiance. So Correct. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure you guys are almost married. But yeah, maybe we should. Oh, well, we're basically married. We're basically married. We've been together for seven years. Um, 
But like two years after my open heart surgery, I was starting to feel tired all the time. And I couldn't figure out why. Mm-hmm. Because like once I had that open heart surgery, I just had a boost of energy again, which was phenomenal. And so I started getting worried and I'm like, okay, maybe I need to go see the cardiologist. So I went, all the tests came back clear, my heart was fine. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, do you ever, have you ever gone on a sleep study? I'm like, no, and uh. I really don't want to. He's like, well, I'm not letting you leave until you agree to one. So I'm like, okay, fine. If it gets me out of this office in time, I'll agree to one. Um, so two weeks later, I was at Blodgett Hospital getting one done in their uh, sleep study ward. And I am so thankful that I did. Because when the test results came back, it showed that I had stopped breathing 138 times an hour. Whoa! Okay, yeah. So, I kid you not, I got all the machines and stuff. I got got my CPAP or whatever. By BiPAP now, because they had to change the rhythm mm-hmm. of it. Um, that first night I slept with that thing, I slept 11 hours uninterrupted. Wow. And I felt great. Yeah. And I still feel good. Like, I mean... It's it's been a life changer, and I'm that that is the one machine I'm happy to be on. <laughs> That's good. Oh my goodness! So now coming from that, um, you kind of said it already, but some closing advice to if you have a medical problem or if you think you might have a medical problem, go get just go ask someone. Yeah, get, get help. Get help. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, like, I know now, like, um, one of the biggest things in my life is my faith. Um, and so, like, nowadays, maybe it's not so much asking people for help. It's asking God for help. Mm-hmm. Or asking people that are godly, I should say, <laughs> for help. Um, the pastor that I have now is one of the most uh, loving, accepting you know, arms wide open, hugging, just great guy. Um, feel like you can talk to him about anything. Awesome. And that, that, to me, when you deal with as much stuff as, unfortunately, I've had to deal with, it's good to have somebody like that in your corner. Um, no judgments. Um, doesn't, you know, doesn't hold it against you, that type of stuff. And so, you know, just... Um, I've, I've had some big changes in my life this year. Mm-hmm. Um, after 20 plus years of going to the same church, I switched churches. Um, I just felt like I wasn't getting anything out of the last place I was going to. And just, um, you know, I, I feel fulfilled. I feel like I have a purpose again. You know, I just, I feel like my story, um, was being used in a way that should have been used all along. Yeah. Um, and I know you have reached out to me a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, because I did share my story with uh, my church, and you had told me you kept watching it over and over yeah, again. Yeah, there's a video that Joey has of his uh, uh, testimony that he posted on Facebook, and it's just um, amazing, so... Yeah, and like when, when like when you came to me and told me that, I was like, that meant a lot. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that I just, the, the response of that video was so overwhelming. I'm like, I just, I was like, man, maybe this, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Yeah. And I, I feel more equipped now than I ever have. 
you know, to share my story, to help people, to give people the right advice, mm -hmm. and it just... Joey, you could be a speaker. I, That's I, your speaker reel. They made a speaker reel for you. I, you know, <laughs> I... And, and, and it's funny you say that, because, like, um, back in February this year, I got to be on ESPN 96.1. Whoa. Um, to talk about congenital heart disease. Okay. And Big Drew... Um, who's one of the hosts has become a really good friend of mine and he said man you just your voice is so natural for it mm -hmm. and you didn't sound nervous even though I felt nervous because <laughs> I'm like oh man I'm gonna be on the radio crap and uh he's he's like he's another guy that's been really like I I look up to him a lot mm -hmm. um he inspires me just because you know, he's he's doing the thing that I want to do, and, you know, he's giving me a lot of advice, and um, it's good if you're pursuing a dream. Um, that's another piece of advice. If you're pursuing a dream, find people in the field that you're pursuing mm -hmm. and talk to them and connect with them um, because they, they can help you out. Like, Big Drew is, um, we're always interacting about sports and wrestling. Um, we've actually do a couple podcasts together um, outside of the, his ESPN work mm -hmm. where we talk about wrestling stuff. And yeah. um, we have a very good chemistry together when we do our podcasts. And so um, it's just good to have that, you know, person you can relate to in that type of field. Definitely. So. Well, thank you, Joey. Um, let's see here. So how can people connect with you now that, you shared so much of yourself in Hollywood world of sports. So, how can they find you? Um, you can, uh, if you're looking to read about some sports and wrestling, HollywoodsWorldOfSports.com. Um, my page actually has links to all my social media pages. Perfect. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Mm -hmm. And kind of that's a combination of both sports and mm -hmm. my personal okay. stuff. Okay. Um, so I think that's Hollywood JMW85. It's my Instagram username. Great. Um, I think I actually have a Pinterest page too. Oh, okay. I, I, You're everywhere. <laughs> I, 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 I try to put myself everywhere. Um, because, you know, you just never know who you're going to connect with. And, you know, going back to my dreams and inspirations, you know, I always wanted to be involved with pro wrestling. Like, WWE was always like a dream of mine, but... You know, I took that and I do a lot of stuff for the independent local scene for Michigan. Like, I'll cover matches and, mm -hmm. you know, do, like, features on some of the wrestlers. And I've really gained a lot of connections doing that. And mm -hmm. So it's all, it's all about connecting with people. It really <laughs> is. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they say it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to have stuff about what you know, but... You know who who you know is just as great of an asset. So, thank you, thank you yes. for your time and your advice, your many many tidbits of advice. Um, so helpful for us all and just myself as well. So, um, I think that's a wrap for this episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been compassionately you, and I hope you have a good Monday. This has been compassionately you with Bree Luke and Bell. Like to learn more about today's episode, you can go to brieluganbell.com slash podcast.
you'd like to join our private support group, you can find us on Facebook and search for the private group Compassionately You. If you would like to be a guest, you can email Bree at brielugenville at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great start to your week.